The Courage to Lead, episode 156. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome David Shavzin. David founded the Value Track in 2000 to help business owners maximize their life's work. He helps business owners sell their companies, bringing together a unique combination of skills in mergers and acquisitions, exit strategy, and value growth. An in-depth understanding of their business leads to finding the right buyers and then to the closing table. David is president and co-founder of Exit Planning Exchange in Atlanta, or XPX, past president of the Institute of Management Consultants, Georgia chapter. He's a certified management consultant and a frequent speaker to business owners and professional advisors on the realities of the sale process and maximizing transactions of a lifetime. David's early career was in banking and finance, working at Freddie Mac, and then 12 years with global life science company Sanofi and Aventus. Uh, the four of those years, David lived in Paris, working finance, mergers, acquisitions. In Atlanta, he led teams responsible for quality, finance, supply chain, customer service, and IT for North American subsidiary. David earned his uh, MBA from George Washington University and a bachelor's from University of Wisconsin. He is fluent in French and conversational in Spanish. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Harlan. A pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, so... French and conversational in Spanish. That is awesome. I am <laughs> conversational in English, so I hope it's okay we just stay in that realm for this time. Yeah, it's, um, it's funny you say that. I remember learning a lot of English through taking French. Really? It, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, uh, because then you're really learning the structure and all of that where you didn't necessarily learn it all as well as we should have. Absolutely. Yeah, English. I think... When, when you look at some of the different countries and stuff, we as Americans, I think, are a little bit lazy when it comes to that. A lot of, you know, European countries, they learn multiple languages. Of course, their borders are a lot closer than, you know, ours are. Uh, but yeah, I, I have yet to learn a language. I don't know what the block is, but I can't seem to, to get it. I'll get phrases. You know, when we travel, I like to have phrases. Good morning. Good evening. You know, please. Thank you. But full language. Yeah, I haven't quite mastered that. Still time. <laughs> There's still time. Plenty of time. Let's hope so. All right. So, Dave, we're going to come back, talk about how you got your start, uh, who you work with, how you help them, uh, some of the things you've done. But before we get started, I've got some questions that I ask every one of my guests. Uh, listeners know these are the questions from the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests from Hollywood TV, film, and stage. I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, David, if you're ready, 10 questions. I'm ready. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite word? Uh, lots, as you were talking about earlier, love language. I'll go with inextricably. Inextricably. Very good. All right. What is your least favorite word? Um, I'm going to not obey direction and give you a category of words, um, which are racial slurs of all sorts. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. What turns you on? Um, learning new things like languages. <laughs> what turns you off? 
that's that's probably the toughest one. Um, yeah, I guess I guess um, I don't know. Being lazy, wasting time, doing doing nothing, maybe. Yep. What sound or noise do you love? Uh, a lot, but um, I'll go with um, the um, computer shutting down at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, I, I'll say chewing ice and the like. Okay. <laughs> um, question seven, what is your favorite curse word? This is easy, hands down. It's the F word. It is so versatile in so many different ways and different parts of speech and so many different meanings. Absolutely. And universal. People know that word. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I think writing, writer, author, something in that category. Any genre? Um, probably a few. Sort of, you know, the fun when I was young and still enjoyed science fiction, but I probably wouldn't start there. You know, probably come back home more to what I know. Um Maybe some fiction, a little bit of maybe business side of things. Cool. All right. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Doctor. Can't stand the sight of my own blood, let alone anybody else. That's easy. <laughs> That's... All right. And the final question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly <laughs> gates? Um, either, yes, this is the right door or um, yeah, not bad, A minus, B plus. Something, something like that. Good deal. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, um, who you help, how you help them, some of the things you've been involved with. Um, and at some point, we'll transition into courage and leadership. Okay? Fair. Sounds good. All right. Listeners, yeah. we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, David Chapson. David, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. You and I met on ProVisors, right? Doing ProVisors. Mm -hmm. How long have you been with them? A uh, little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It's been a good group, um, good group of folks uh, around Absolutely. town helping each other out. Good. A lot of good connections. Absolutely. So you got a bachelor's in international relations and French. Um, is that an area that you knew you wanted to go into? Or, I mean, how did that choice of study come about? No, it was kind of, I say, an evolution. So I started taking French in the seventh grade um, and I enjoyed it because I had a great teacher, which is usually what happens. Mm -hmm. He was into it and passionate. So I ended up taking that all through high school, got into college and continued on with it. Um, was looking at political science, was looking at some of that as uh, actually, I think was thinking law school at the time and uh, uh, just kind of veered off from that a little bit and decided not to go to law school. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> you listen, you listen to, uh, listen. you listen, throw that back um, at me. Absolutely. So, and then you spent time in France, right? A semester abroad? Yeah, I did a semester um, 
during my junior year. Fantastic experience. Yeah. Yeah. History, civilization, and language. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and so now you've kind of transitioned. You had a lot of experience in banking and everything like that. Now you work with companies to help them with their exit strategies. Tell me about yes. that. How did that come about? Uh, well, let's see. You know, I, I transitioned out of my corporate role. Um, had a you know wide breadth of experience in finance and M&A, but also operations, really every piece of that, of that company. And, um, but, um, you know, that was at a size of a $20 billion company. You know, it was great, phenomenal experience, got to work in France, but, you know, you, you get through something like a project uh, after three years and you kind of wonder what really came out of that. Yeah. And so I thought, hey, okay, how can I bring all of this knowledge to smaller organizations? You know, in some cases, much smaller where it's really those owners that are running it and it's their, their really, it becomes their retirement. And so, you know, that feels a lot better uh, personally, helping them in that way, you know, as opposed to that large corporation. Um, but yeah, jumped off in 2000, started up, uh, but started out as a traditional consulting practice. Nice. That morphed into, um, well, back then, um, you, you really couldn't get a conversation going around exit and succession 20 years ago. And um, so it just swirled around strategy and helping the business grow. But over time, you know, the, the owners were getting older and um, they were starting to talk a little bit more about it. And so we laid over this piece of uh, the work around succession, exit planning, and eventually got into the, all the way through doing transactions. Nice. And then is that, I mean, I know a lot of business owners don't, either they don't consider or they don't know what to think about exit strategies, right? Um, exit doesn't necessarily mean just walking away from your business. It doesn't mean giving up on your business. Um, that can be your end goal, right? Yeah, there's, there's so many things. And I think traditionally folks think if they have not been through it before, that they just imagine at one point in time, it's always way down the line. You know, lately it's always five years. You can ask them two years later and it's still five years. Right. But uh, they imagine waking up and... Um, having some number in mind and then telling people it's for sale, closing the deal seven days later and walking away with a check. And um, that never even close uh, to happen to comes to happen. But um, yeah, it, it, so it's really, there's a lot of options to it. And it really, but it, it, here's where it starts. It starts with trying to understand, guide them through their own process, maybe business partner, family, spouse, as to what, what, do, you, what do they really want out of this? And more importantly, you know, however they get out, third-party sale, if they give it to kids, whatever it is, what are they going to do for the next maybe 20 years, 30 years, uh, possibly longer? And so helping them think about that can then color how they get out, educating them around options, and then coming back to what you started with also is value, because we tend to see folks thinking it's worth more than it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's that way with houses, right? You think your house is worth so much, then the realtor comes in and says, no, really, you know, according to the comps, this is what your house is worth. But you're right. We sold our house in two days. Full price yeah. done, right? Yeah. That doesn't happen in business. No, then we're in a biz, you know, bizarre time coming out of COVID and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that truly can happen in a day. Um, no, in business, the, the, it's so complex and there are so many issues and so many things to understand about first of all, value and what we call transferable value, what somebody will pay for it. Mm -hmm. And there's, I could spend hours on that, right? We don't have time, but it's, it's uh, you can't just go to the book. You can't just go to the comp. 
and do that. So the only way to manage that is come back to exit planning. When we say exit planning, we're talking about running the business well. And by, by that, I mean having everything run smoothly, but with that focus on value, always that value filter so that you're always working toward, I'll say maximizing the value, even though you may not exit for the full amount, you may not even go look for the buyer that you know gives you the biggest check, but having that realistic value starting early, just like investing in the stock market is a, you know, is a key thing to, um, to really to ending up where you want to be and starting early. Yeah. And when you say starting early, when, when should businesses start thinking about their exit? Honestly, as they're thinking about starting the business, um, you, you know, if you think about it, you're getting into business, even if it's not exit, you should have some long-term goal to work from. You should have a business plan of some sort. It could be just a few pages. And why not make that long-term goal how I'm getting out? You can change it a hundred times, but it gives you something to work towards. So, you know, I say that and people laugh, but it's really right from the beginning, running the business well, as I say, that's exit planning and having an idea of what that looks like, because um, in this world, and even before COVID, there's a trillion, trillion and a half dollars out there looking for good businesses. Just, I always say, always be ready, you know, keep being as ready as you can. So truly, truly from the beginning, but, you know, as, as for some of our older listeners, the baby boomers who may be getting up there, um, you know, really is now. Sometimes we hear two to three years and two to three years is now because it'll take from a first conversation to going to market will take months. And timelines now are going out nine months, a year, 12 months, 18 months. So the reality is three years is now, especially if you want to have an impact uh, on value. And so what do, what do most businesses get wrong when it comes to their exit strategy? Is it not starting soon enough? How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> it, no, it doesn't come. I mean, at the core, I'd say really honestly, two things, answering that in, a, in two ways. It's, there's all the operational issues and, and risk and so on, but the, it's the, it come back to it, the understanding of value. If they knew what their business, business is worth today and it was much, you know, it was, it, it much under the number they thought, it's going to be that kick in the pants to get going. That's why I say knowing your value today, even if you're 10 years out, can be huge. Um, and then understanding the, complexities in the time and what the buyer is looking for, right? So that M&A process, those two things, because everything else flows from that, right? So then, yeah, then here's, and I'll give you the top two, three things sort of, you know, I'll call it operationally. Number one um, is that the number first thing that we, we share with anybody are the financial statements. So crystal clean financial statements. We don't often see that. And so it's the first thing to clean up thoroughly. Sometimes it's going back a couple of years. The other one is the owner. Why, why, why are you selling is the question. And the goal here is to make the owner absolutely positively ir- irrelevant to the business. Yeah. And um, again, some, we get some strange looks and we go to explain that. And simply, if I'm going to come in and buy your business and you're walking away with all this knowledge in your head, I'm going to pay you a lot less because I have to recreate that. Yeah, unless your brain is staying with the business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Not I, yeah. Yeah. I always say if you can go away for three months, have no contact with your business, come back and it's thriving. That's that's where you want to get to. And it's tough sometimes for owners to think that way. It's their baby of you know blood, sweat, and tears that they put into it. But th- it starts there. It starts with understanding value and then understanding what the process is going to be because then everything else makes more sense in terms of how we help them get prepared and build value. And do you see a lot of businesses that they don't have their processes documented. They don't have things together in a, an easy transferable 
mechanism? I see a tiny percentage of that, of businesses that actually have that. Some may have certain areas of the business, some of those things documented a little bit more, but uh, it, honestly, it's rare in, in this in this space we play in, in the lower middle market companies. Um, they're usually you know, good at selling, right? Bringing in business, um, probably good at the product or service, you know, maybe good with clients uh, at, a, at a general level, but there's so much of the infrastructure, the growth, the value, the profitability and other things. And then, pro- yeah, documented processes, uh, all that usually is not there. Yeah, but if, if it was, that would help with that transition, maybe even help with the value? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, we we have you know kind of that checklist of things, and if you can, it kind of correlates. You know, to the extent that the owners are walking away with some knowledge, um, the more you can have documented out of the owner's brain or brains, is it's it's magical. If you can hand this guidebook to a buyer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's a little bit of that um, analogy to the franchise systems. You know, that there's. Positives and negatives to franchises. Sure. The idea that everything is documented, so you know your eight-year-old kid could walk in and run a McDonald's. That's kind of the idea mm-hmm. um, of value there. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and you know, because a lot of business owners they'll they'll start the business because they're technically really really good at what they do. They love what they do and they're good at it, but they're not good at running the business and they don't know how to get their thoughts down. And like I said, they get ready to sell the business. They kind of say, "Well, do it my way." And you'll be fine. It's like, what is your way? <laughs> you have no idea your way, right? Yeah, in the extreme cases, um, we're working through with a client now, a couple of years into getting them help, helping them get ready. And back to the, um, you know, the, all the knowledge being in the owner's heads. You know, key part of value is taking all that, not just sort of throwing it down or documenting it, but building up that next level leadership team where they're truly leaders. They know everything, and in essence, they can run it all. Because then you've got a wider pool of buyers, right? If you have somebody who may not know the industry, but you've got this really strong leadership team after the owners leave, yeah. that can be extremely valuable too. Yeah. And building up that leadership team is important. I had a couple of clients early on in my, my coaching where everything ran through them. They were the bottleneck. They made all of the decisions. They would hire people based on their skill and then micromanage. And if that... If the boss was gone, nothing happened because people were so afraid to do something wrong. And it's like, you will never sell this business if everything goes through you. Yeah. You know, you've got to set this up to where it'll run almost on autopilot. That makes it a lot more, a lot more valuable yeah. to somebody. And, and, you know, the beauty of time coming back to that, you asked how early is that, you know, once we can get across to our clients, like your client in the situation, right? Once you can explain Right. And they sort of, they start to understand it. It still takes time to do those transfers, right. Whether it's to pay for leadership. So, so, you know, starting early is critical. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I always say, that's why I come back to this. When I, when people say exit planning, exit planning to me, again, half of it is the transaction, but the other half is just running the business well. And when we do that in all those ways we know and see um, the owners, right. They're reaping the, the benefit from day one. So they're making money along the way more than they would have anyway, even if it's 30 years out, but then they're also building value for that eventual exit at the same time. Um, it's, it's, it's really reconfiguring. Uh, again, I come back to it, but it's reconfiguring their, their, their brains to yeah. be thinking like the buyer and running everything through this value filter, you know, these strategic decisions and everything. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm thinking back at a couple of clients, the conversations we had about, yeah, I was thinking of selling the business. Like you don't just wake up one morning and sell your business, right? It's not like, you know, you're working for a company and you just put all of your belongings in a cardboard box and walk out of the office, right? You've got to, you've got to plan for this stuff. You got to make sure that you're, yeah. if you haven't already built the value, you need to give time to build the value for that company. Yeah. And you, you know, your work, I mean, really is, you know, right up there as, as part of the first steps because you're, you're, you're just, you're creating the new leadership. Um, and, you know, every day you're making progress. So that means every day it's, it's more valuable, period. Yeah. yeah. Love it. So tell me about XPX. Okay. Yeah. I'll take a minute on that. So um, the Exit Planning Exchange, uh, about a 10 or a dozen years old now, uh, based out of Boston, about 18 chapters currently. We came across them here in Atlanta um, in 2018. And what drew us to them immediately was the core principles of the association. And we've talked about some of this, but one of those is the focus on the entire life cycle of these companies. Right? Just like I was saying, right? You can't, everybody likes to kind of wait, oh, here's the deal, right? So the attorneys and tax and the wealth managers, right? They all this fury, flurry of activity, right? And services. Um, that's great, but like we said, if the value isn't there, you know who's left out. You know, it's it's the seller. So this idea that we need to really help start earlier and really focus on the entire enterprise. And then the other key thing is the collaborative advisory team, right? So this, you know, I'll talk for hours if you let me on this, let me on this one because you, you know, I, I can't do everything for my client. You can't do everything. Nobody can do it. Um, we all go in, tend to go in and do our thing, and too much out of context with everything else that the business needs. And then on the owner side, typically, again, if they haven't worked with a lot of outside advisors, coaches, consultants, whatever, um, they just have all these bilateral conversations and they're great, right? And all their advisors are saying great things, but then they have all these great things and they don't sync up. Right. So, so come back to that collaborative advisory team when they're truly communicating, the, the, the owner's going to win. And so um, those two key things with XPX that, life cycle of the owner, the collaborative advisory team just said, yeah, we just, we saw it, we heard it. And we said, we've got to start the Atlanta chapter. It was so in sync with how we function. And what does that advisory team consist of? What, what people? Great question. And it's really, it's everything. If you think about us working, I mean, if we're going to go to market tomorrow morning to sell, we're still going to engage with a lot of folks. But if you think about it earlier on in, in terms of the prep, you're, you're talking support around all the support around the advisor, legal issues, you know, kind finance and tax issues, certainly, but you want that banker involved and you want that, especially that wealth manager to understand the personal side of things so that we can make this a, you know, coordinated effort. But then every stripe of consultant, if we're talking about the business might be marketing, sales, financial advisor from, from an internal corporate standpoint, operations, manufacturing, IT, you name it, right? So all these people are engaged because we're trying to optimize everything going on in the business. You asked me, you know, the favorite word earlier, I always say it's, you know, inextricably linked. Everything is right within that enterprise. And so, so it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm not avoiding the question. It's everybody sure. at different stages and, and functioning together. So. And a business coach. I think you, you missed that piece in there. A business no, no, coach. No, no, yeah. Yeah, it's all in there. yeah, 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 exactly. No, the coach is in there, the, the leadership, the, you know, we, we get into so many issues when you, especially when you have business partners, right? Then you've got not just leadership, but conflict. And then you've got individual 
concerns right among the partners and then families and their personal concerns mm-hmm. all that has to be reconciled so that's why i say everybody i knew when i yeah. when i when i when you asked me the list <laughs> I, I you know i've left out a half a dozen or more but it's um yeah it's it's everybody um and the way we work through the, all this right is there are so many people so a lot of the role for us is coordinating that right so right. so understanding that if the value is not where it needs to be and we want to take say three years laying out this massive project plan, mapping it out and getting the priorities right. You know, yeah. what, what needs to happen when, where, and how oh, we can't do it all. So when does each advisor come right. in? Yeah. Well, and communication is a huge issue too, because not only do you have to communicate to your, your vendors and your customers, you have to communicate to your employees. At what point, at what point do you let your employees know, Hey, we're selling the business because that could yeah. cause havoc. Yep. So you keep asking these hour long questions, but the, the short answer is, and we get that all the time, it's it's not right after you sign the deal and exchange a money, checks or a wire. Um, you know, practical standpoint, you gotta have a balance, right? Talking too early, too late. But the reality is you wanna get them on board as early as possible. Um, first of all, people are gonna be looking at the company. You're gonna start seeing activity, people coming in. You can hide some of that for a while. Um, maybe your financial team is gonna to have to answer a lot of questions, you know, all of a sudden. So, so these things can get out fairly quickly. Um, so I, I always say have a communication plan, both for staff, for colleagues, for clients and all of that laid out to where, you know, you're informing the right people at the right time. You know, in some cases we talked about people in the team and delegating and, and so on. You know, we may need to identify key people and uh, put in place a mechanism to keep them, at least until the transaction or to a little bit after. So that might look like a bonus to stay on through the transaction. So it's a <clears throat> it's a tricky thing, but um, it's not waiting until right. the deal is done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's um, you just, you, know, you just can't do it. And if you've got you know, if you've got a company of some size, um, you you want to engage that leadership team, knowing where we're going. And and the other thing that we can do always is, and it's true, is comfort them to some degree that look. We're ready to sell. We're getting ready. We're pulling this together. Our intent is to sell to somebody who's going to keep company going and keep employees. Um, you know, you can't guarantee that 100%. But um, we, we see more often than not that sellers want that to happen. They've built this thing. They want to take care of employees that help them build it. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's a balanced effort. But it depends on, I guess, how how the company was kind of put together in the first place. Are you building the company in order to sell to someone and kind of walk away? Are you looking for somebody to come in and, and uh, I guess keep, yeah, keep the team, run it the way that you did and everything like that, but you can't always guarantee that, right? Every situation is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, I mean, everyone has thrown dynamics truly. And, and, and like I say, I don't mean to say that we start telling everybody right away, but yeah. thinking through it because, um, it, you know, it could, be, I, you know, I try to allay fears, right? People tend to think right away if people find out all their clients are going to be stolen by competitors, all their staff are going to leave and all that. Those things just don't happen. Um, you know, if you've got, especially if you've got ongoing relationships with clients, right? It's not like a competitor all of a sudden is going to come in and just walk away with all your clients. No, but you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rational initial thought. So it's more about dissecting each, each element of that. And, um, allaying the fears. And then, um, and often here's the thing, you're often going to competitors as potential buyers. And so part of the way we manage that from an information flow is giving out a certain amount of 
type of information at the beginning and you know parsing that out over time holding back a lot of the key things you know including client lists that kind of thing yeah but yeah it's a massive undertaking yeah very complex <laughs> a lot of a lot of moving parts um so the podcast is about courage right we talk about the where people found the courage to walk away from the nine to five to kind of create their own success. Um, the courage to overcome setbacks, divorce, bankruptcy, things like that. Where did you find the courage to step out and create your own business? <laughs> I've been thinking about courage and that was a big one. Um, and, you know, I, you know, I could come up with some amazing answer for you. On the other hand, you know, I just had a great run, you know, and a lot of people complain about that large corporate environment, but, you know, it was wonderful for, for this French company. So, yeah, just got to spend time over there. So um, I, you know, I think I wanted to do something different. I think the, um, yeah, I guess the the courage maybe was the, the the breadth of experience that I had had. You know, I don't know that I thought if I think I maybe if I thought through it too logically, I might not have done it. <laughs> you know, you leave that corporate perch, and. Uh, yeah, that's tough. It's a change. Um, so I, uh, I keep, I think, so I think the answer, I don't know if it was methodically done, but, but it was, um, I think combination of, like I say, the experience that I had and how businesses run and how they function. And then, um, yeah, just being, just being ready then to, uh, try. And, um, yeah, I was still fairly young and figured, well, it doesn't work. I can come back inside somewhere. Yeah. But like you were saying earlier though, a lot of times you're working for a big company, you don't always get to see the end result, right? I was a management consultant. We would work on a project for six, eight months, 12 months, but then we'd start turning over everything to the client and exiting, right? And then six months after that is when everything really came to fruition. We weren't there to see it. We weren't there to, and now working with small companies, small to mid-sized companies, I'm yeah. there when the lights come on. I'm there when they make these leaps and uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, it, as you say that too, you know, you, yeah, you're right. You're the other side of the equation is just that you, it's not just that you, you, you're helping these people who are, this is all them personal, you know, in terms of their success and eventually selling and, you know, being able to do what they want to do, but it's also, yeah, it's that satisfaction of um, it's not, you know, it's a satisfaction, like you say, of closure, right? So you're in there and you're working with them on an ongoing basis, but it's also ensuring that things get done. That's that's the you know we don't have to get off into you know uh, contemplating consultants, coaches, and all that and, and how they function. But but the idea that and I also have you know too many thoughts on that. But but the idea that you um, are in there and you go through this exercise and you give them you know all right here's 27 things to do. Good luck. Um, it's it's they know all this. I, I've learned over the years they know most of what they're not doing or not doing well. They they need that outside help as they're running the business. It might be more project management, it might be coaching, it might be all these things, but they can't absorb with their staff all, you know, all of these things. And so um, it's, it's almost like, don't you, you, know, you don't want to be pulled out. It's a, right, no, no, no I'll, I'll do this for free because I want to see this get done. It's, you, get, you, get in, you get that involved. We get that intimately involved in, the, in that. Don't, don't, don't uh, repeat that, though. <laughs> I'll edit that piece out. <laughs> no, but it's true because like you said, a lot of business owners, they know what they probably should do. They don't know mm -hmm. what order should this be done in. Yeah. And they want to try to do everything themselves. It's like, no, no, no. You have to be able to delegate, you know, to yeah. get this work done for you, free up some time. And prioritize it. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely. How many folks do you have working for you right now? I have uh, W2 employees are me and me and me. Okay. Uh, and that's it. So from the beginning, uh, there were two key things. I always joke, you know, I didn't want to deal with all those people issues as W2s. But also, you know, when you're working in the world we work in with our kinds of clients, if I hire a marketing person, that's not always going to be the right fit with every client. You know, so I've built out an extensive network of phenomenal folks that do just about anything um, to bring in, you know, as needed on, on these client engagements. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good. No, that's not that. The reason that we were consultants for years was, you know, if a company needed X, we were brought in and did it. Right. And then when we're done doing that, that company needs us, we go over there and do it. So yeah, it makes sense. You pull in the, the resources you need at the time. If I was to bump into any of those resources that have worked with you over the years and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? After all their jokes, um, they, they would, <laughs> um, I, I think they would say, and I, I would hope, you know, employees way in the past, um, would, would, would say, you know, out of those teams, um, kind of that, that concept of servant leader. I mean, just really helping them do their jobs well, helping them grow. Uh, that's not always well-received in some cases when it might be pushing people to go do, you know, continuing ed kinds of programs and training and, and that, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, or, you know, you know the, other, the other piece of that is um, when you're talking about that, that leadership and helping them succeed, my opinion, like we talked about earlier, that means they have to work as a team. And so there's also that kind of encouragement. Sometimes there can be pushback there as well. But um, trying to let them do their thing, right? Um, their input into it. And I think, you know, my last corporate role, um, I kind of just hired myself out of a job in essence, you know, and, and it really was through letting them run things. You know, again, shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah, but but you know, they they you know they they did really. Now there's that obviously. You know, there's other things happening and things I was doing and coordinating the team, et cetera. But um, yeah, finding the right people, letting them go. And now that you said it earlier, make make, make mistakes. That happens, <clears throat> and then you know they don't make those ever again. Yeah. Is there somebody um, in your past, somebody you worked for, who was kind of a, a role model for you when it comes to leadership? Um, you know, I, gosh, I, I honestly have been lucky with a lot of good bosses, if you will, over the years, um, back in the day. I, I think one that stands out in, in one of the more difficult situations from a leadership and kind of courage to just kind of take, take action, if you will. Um, years and years ago, there was someone at the company when I got there um, who I think had different issues going on, but not the right fit, had, I think, been promoted beyond capabilities, the, you know, Peter principle. And, um, and was, I think was kept on by a, a succession of folks um, to be, you know, being compassionate. And so I wasn't really looking at what was happening. And, and then uh, even this person, you know, kind of it dragged on, but then um, finally just said, Hey, you know, this isn't right. Can you just, you know, kind of just came out and said, you know, I made a mistake. Let's do this. Here's why. Um, and, you know, we, we exited that person, but the reality is they went into a much better role in another company and much more appropriate, but, but to, um, to stand up and just say, you know, basically I messed up. Um, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. And then also I think it was a learning experience for everybody, but certainly for, for my boss at that time, um, 
because, you know, in that particular situation, when those things happen, you know, yeah, it's great. We need to try to make it work, but there's a point at which, you know, it's not right for anybody, including the individual. So, yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, having the courage to stand up and take responsibility. Take responsibility, admit the mistake, and then really, then you're, um, and in that case was, was doing that in front of the entire team under the boss, this whole division, but upwards as well. <laughs> okay. You know, upwards as well. So. Wow. Very cool. So what's next for you? You've done a lot. Um, there are multiple languages you could probably pick up, but what else are you, what else are you doing? What's on the horizon? Uh, yeah, um, so I think just, just fun. It, it is an evolution. Um, you know, this, this whole, um, you know, when we started out talking about it, it was early on, it was straight up consulting, kind of added on the exit and succession. Um, it became this whole process, this value track process. Now the, all the way through the transactions, and so I think we'll continue with that. I think um, and and hope we always um, you know are better at it. Every time we do work with a client, we get more experience and are better at it. I think that'll be out there for for a while. I, one of the um, passions, though, and you've touched on them, is partly through XPX, our professional association, partly with other consulting colleagues of various stripes, is to I'll say um, you know uh, by example by, I'll say, educating, cajoling, preaching, teaching, whatever, um, this concept of, you know what, we can all do better by our clients if we're working together. To, to me, and it's, it's, and it's hard, right? Like a lot of things, I think you have to demonstrate. They have to see it. You can talk, 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 talk. But so, so it's one at a time, sort of, all right, you know, they're, they, they're working on a project with us or seeing how that happens. And just uh, trying to build on that, I think, would be... Um, professionally a key key part of uh you know the next several years and then looking back over your career would you have done anything different (laughs) we don't have time for that either (laughs) i my 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 answer to that really is is you know it's obviously unfair question i I in one sense i'd say no right every time you come up to some point in life and some crossroads or some opportunity um you know what i've done it differently you know you, you know go back change it. I don't know. Um, I, I really can't, you know, you talk about all these steps, right? Because you, you learned every time I, I've, I've been lucky, enjoyed most all these stages of life, right? Uh, Jeff changed companies, um, you know, been through divorce, um, you know, started, started the own business, you know, all these, all these different, you know, yeah. Yeah. Short answer, sorry. Short answer is no, because I don't know what I would change. And maybe that other path would have been different. Well, where you ended up is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. Yeah, hard, hard knocks along the way, but that's everybody. Yeah. Well, David, this has been awesome. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about Value Track and how you can help their businesses and stuff, how can they do that? What's your website? The website is Get On The Value Track, all spelled out getonthevaluetrack.com. Cool. And the uh, email address is David at what I just said, David at getonthevaluetrack.com. And the phone is 770-329-5224. Excellent. Very cool. And you're active on LinkedIn? Active on LinkedIn. And I've got an, uh, a, a rare enough name that it's David Shamson. There are, there are a few of us around the world, but not many at all uh, on there. And um, on the website, um, uh, if folks are interested in getting some musings from time to time they can 
sign up there for my little uh, bit of information I push out uh, from the blog. Very cool. Well, I will have all those links in the show notes so people will be able to, uh, to follow up with you and get in touch. And again, thanks, thanks for being on the program. Really appreciate it. No, it's a pre- pleasure, Harlan. This is great. Love the conversation. Thanks. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of notes, a lot of good information here. Definitely check out getonthevaluetrack.com, right? And uh, yeah, if your business is not already thinking about your exit strategy, it's time to start. Don't wait till the last minute, right? And uh, share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues, any other business owners you know, and uh, stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now.